Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Jen Vanella with us here today, who is a vocal coach, vocalist, philanthropist who specializes in classical, Broadway, auditions, pop, piano, vocal, how do you say that word, Jen? Pedagogy. 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 Yep, science of voice. It just rolls right off the tongue and specialized voice <laughs> lessons. Her we certi- just call it PED. <laughs> yeah. Her certifications include a, a ADMM of opera and jazz performance from du- Duquesne? Duquesne. Duquesne University, undergraduate oh. MDSBAA from West Virginia University, certificates in Alexander Technique, a certifi- certificate in vocal PED from NYU, affiliated with NATS, American Women's Business Bureau, and the NTNA. She has finalized and competed in numerous national vocal competitions and has sung all over the world. Some of her recent magazine features include Modern Singer Magazine, Pop Dust, Sexy Soprano, and has written numerous teaching articles for various online teaching and advocacy websites. Jen is a professional voice coach who believes everyone deserves a chance to find and free their voice. Some of her recent projects in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania include callbacks for Americans Got Talent, American Idol, audition prep for The Voice, and international online master's classes with Follow Follow the Mentor UK. This season, she aspires to offer various performance and educational experiences to local artists and emerging educators in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, expanding the educational forum and offer new and exciting opportunities for local musicians for many years to come. Jen, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. My pleasure. We were talking a little bit before we went live about hope and the concept of hope. What does hope mean to you? Hope is an opportunity and it's on two different sides. So hope is the opportunity to be able to reach out to someone to make their lives better. And then hope is the aspiration for the other person to take it. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. I love that. I, and I've never heard it explained that way, but it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. I really like that. Yep. How do you see hope showing up in the day-to-day lives of the students that you work with? It took me a long time to realize just how much good we do here, to be honest with you. It's very recent. Actually, it's because of the, the blessing in some ways of COVID-19. Everybody's really a lot more aware of the positive things in the world because there aren't as many, if that makes any sense. Yes. How do I say this? It's all about being able to pay attention to how shiny people are when they walk in the door or on camera. Mm. I I got it from a little girl who was watching me do uh, boxes for an angel project a couple months ago. And she said, Miss Jen, you're the lady who helps people in the neighborhood and you're the voice teacher. I said, yep, sure am. She's like, well, did you know you were shiny? And I said, I actually kind of thought to myself, oh, Lord, (laughs) maybe I have makeup all over my face or something. I have moments like that quite a bit. And I'm like, what do you mean by shiny? She's like, you can always tell when people are shiny because you can always see the rainbows in them. And I think Mm. that that really is what I look for in people now. And I look for it in their voices, too. As, As bizarre as it sounds, I can hear the potential for hope if there is no hope. And that's an expansive concept with progressional concepts of just listening and hearing for what could be versus what is. 
gosh, I love that. Seeing, looking for the shine in people and seeing the rainbows. Little Can ones get, always know, Jesse. <laughs> they really do. They are unbelievably, I feel like the smartest beings on this planet are the little ones and then the animals. And after yes, that, as we get older, we just dumb <laughs> ourselves down and we fill in thinking that we figured out all this stuff and really it's, we've gotten so far away, we've had to fill it with, seems like sometimes mindless and useless information. So Jen, tell us a little bit about shine. What is the shine that you see in, in humanity? You mentioned some of this is because of the blessings of COVID, which I find that really, I find that a lot of people I've chatted with have had this similar experience with it. While there's so much tragedy that has been wrought because of it, it's also provided yes. this enormous, I feel like, introspective time for some of us to look at who and what matters most, as well as people to simplify their lives and say, what really matters? How do I want to spend my moments? How do I want to make my moments more meaningful? When yes. you're talking about shine in people, what ways have you seen people shine? The aspiration. So when I first started this job, I was a child specialist. So what that means is I work television shows with little kids and teach them how to be on TV and try to support them. And then I moved on to adolescence. And now the job, because again, of COVID-19 is primarily professionals and emerging pros. So the opportunity at the beginning of a shine was to teach young people who maybe didn't understand that people were hungry or homeless, that they could make a difference with that. And that was a real thing that they could take on board in their lives. So that was the beginning of being able to get the shine going there too. Lots of the time I think people aren't shiny or they haven't found their butterflies so to speak is because they've never had someone say this is a necessary thing. So you start with the smallest to the tallest. And what's intriguing about it is watching especially college students that's a big part of my job now is working with kids who were in college and had to be pulled out because of COVID and now are doing online classes and whatnot and they need extra mentorship and support. So when it comes to being able to do that, being able to say, hey, did you know that the world doesn't revolve around you? And then they look at me, they're like, really? I'm like, really? And here's how you can make a difference. And then the eyes open up, the voice opens up and the heart opens up. And then I know mm -hmm. the work has begun. Describe that heart opening moment for people. And the reason I'd ask you to describe it is because I think each of us have experienced a heart opening moment at least more than once in our life. And I fully believe that if we were more conscious and aware of when those moments happen and we realized that that could be our new normal, it would radically evolve many of our, the world's problems very quickly and also elevate each of our lives. Can you describe that for us for a little bit? What is a heart opening moment like for someone? Well, can I use like a little story as an example? Please, absolutely. Okay, I'm a pretty good storyteller. It's been an interesting existence. <laughs> um, so a couple of years ago, we tried our first Unleash the Hearts Academy concert series. And we was in a church and there were lots of people and it was crazy how many people came to this thing. And I had a young woman, uh, lots of the time people come see me because of cognitive learning disabilities, autism and severe anxiety. They wanna overcome their fears. And that's one of the reasons they come work with a coach like me. Um, and a young woman was standing on stage and she's so talented and so wonderful and she froze absolutely froze and I didn't know what to do I also play piano so I was playing piano trying to run the rodeo and then everybody just stood up and started to cheer for her there must have been 300 people and it was like the whole world just stopped 
And that's when I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing with my life next, even if it didn't make any sense. That's what that is. The whole room rooted her on for a good 10 minutes so she could finish her number and she could do what she needed to do. But this wasn't polite cheering and it wasn't just family. It was everybody. That's a good example. That's what it is to unleash the hearts. Wow. I have goosebumps over every part of my body and I have tears in my eyes. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. How I'm a blessed lady. I've got a great job. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. How, how that little girl afterwards. Yeah. What was she like when you interacted with her after that experience? Yesterday, actually, I was I'm sitting outside going over my notes for this, actually, and then I tossed them. And uh, she was <laughs> jump roping. And I was like, oh, this is not what this is about. And she's like, Miss John, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm working. She's like, well, do you want to jump rope? And I said, no, <laughs> I haven't jump roped in a thousand years. I don't think I remember how. So I ended up spending a good hour with her, teaching her how to do double Dutch. And so she could do it since her brothers didn't want to play with her, tie it like to a tree or something. So ironically enough, that's how I ended up preparing for this, doing double Dutch and learning how to be able to jump rope again. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the honest truth. <laughs> it's, it's such a fascinating concept to consider Mm. what life would be like or it can be like for all of us if we were willing to stand up give somebody a standing ovation because they're willing to take a risk right we live in this world where now it's getting to the point where we have all these fails compilation fail videos where we we find funny and humor when somebody takes a risk and they falls and falters and we have we don't have we have entire industries called critics whose job is to basically critique and find fault in entertainment. You know, tabloids that are looking for wrong, even the media, you know, what we call our news seems to be more prone to looking for the bad than the good. And it makes us, in my profession, it seems like it's creating a dynamic where we're more risk averse. Why would I risk anything? Why would I dare be vulnerable when the chance of being put up on social media and made a mockery is so ever prevalent? But the idea of, because you're willing to risk, because you're willing to get on stage and put yourself out there, just you in the spotlight and be vulnerable, that instead of pointing and laughing and recording for social media and going on there and saying, look at this, you know, whatever, people stand up and cheer and not just a placating applause, not just family, but the whole entire audience comes together to applaud somebody being willing to take a risk. My goodness, what an incredible world that would be. Yes, that's the one I'm trying to build. Because I think that, yes, please. No, 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 please, go ahead. Finish your your thought. My questions can wait. Okay. I was thinking about what this all really means when it comes to being able to give hope and things of that nature. And I think that one of the positive things, again, because of COVID in the performance field, is everything has been shut down. Nothing can be the way it was. So it's this phenomenal opportunity to rebuild the whole mantra of what it is to be a performer, what it is to get your degree and spend $100,000 on a master's degree and rewrite what you can do with it. And to be able to add integrity and, and faith, if that's what you believe in, and heart, instead of it just being about commercialization, how many people you can get to follow you on Instagram, it's not working. So that's what I was gonna interject with what you were saying. Hope is about being able to rebuild 
and not be afraid of the process of doing that. Um, one of my favorite quotes in the world is Robert Frost's freedom lies in being bold. And I think that that is truly what we need to be able to go forward as a country, regardless. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're so right there. It's like, and it's rebuilt towards something that really matters. I feel like we've been in this place where we've, we've commoditized happiness. We have created metrics around what it means to be significant and what gives meaning to life. The number of likes, the number of followers, the number of this, the number of that. Mm -hmm. I have spent, and I just can, I'll personally say that I can't even tell you how much time I've wasted in my life stressing out because I focus on how many people didn't reach versus how many people did compared to somebody else. And I love the idea of rebuilding because maybe then we're rebuilding, we're tearing down what we have built and we're rebuilding with what really truly matters. Not the, yes. the BS that we were taught that most matters, but okay. it's what really yep. matters. And, it, and it's rebuilding towards exactly that, that society where we will all stand and applaud a 10-year-old girl or a 30-year-old girl or a 40-year-old guy or a 50-year-old little girl or a 50-year-old little boy who is willing to take a risk because inside of each of our adult exteriors that might get some wrinkles and some gray hairs or whatever it is, there is still a little boy and still a little girl in there who is, might be terrified of taking risks, but so desperately wants to pursue a dream and is willing to put themselves out there. And my goodness, what a world we could be if we all stood and cheered them for that risk. Talk to us a little bit, Jen, about the Unleash the Hearts Academy. You mentioned it very briefly there, and I wanted you to make sure you go into a little depth about it. Yeah. Well, it all started about a year and a half ago when I was taking out the garbage, and I knew we were supposed to do something important, and a butterfly literally broke into the studio and went in the kitchen and climbed onto the top over by the cabinets in the kitchen, and I tried to climb down and get it down, but it wouldn't leave. So that's how this all began, the whole idea of unleash the hearts. And unleash the hearts to me is a metaphor for, or butterflies are a metaphor for the hearts. Because mm -hmm. I, after the butterfly wouldn't leave, took a couple of days. And he finally left after I opened the window and whatever. And whatever that meant, welcome to my life. That's kind of how it rolls. I was like, our hearts like butterflies. So I started to go to our local conservatory a lot, and uh, which has flowers and a butterfly exhibit and whatnot, and spent a lot of time watching how butterflies grow from the time they were caterpillars onto the time where they have to stay in their little cocoons so they are, and they don't come out until they're ready. I'm like, this is exactly what hearts are. And that's what led us to the whole idea of that concert I was talking about a few minutes ago with everybody rooting the young woman on on stage who was frightened. And then I started to think to myself, well, maybe I could expand these efforts into doing community service and civic engagement. You know, I mentioned on our phone call last month that I um, have been doing little things over the years, usually with my grandma's pasta sauce. Um, I was telling you a little bit about how to like stretch 10 cans of beans and tomatoes, you know? So after I was like, okay, so music and civic engagement, these things belong together. How do we create them? Right. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just 
ask for help and see if somebody wants to help. So that's how Unleash the Hearts Academy came to be. It all started with learning about butterflies, figuring out that that's what hearts needed. They needed time to be able to grow. They needed people to nurture them. And if you were able to accomplish that, just like you said about 50-year-old little girls and boys, something magical happens. It goes back to that shine. I've seen it happen a hundred times now. And I I just, I'm so thankful I get to be part of it, you know? So that's how Unleash has connected with Sing and Relax, my business. And, um, you know, ironically enough, everybody in the world is a lot more interested in unleashing the hearts because of COVID-19 right now, because mm. their eyes have opened to the fact that people do need help and they have a responsibility to do that. And that's why I spent a good portion of the last couple of weeks packing up boxes of school supplies to get to families. How can people help with Unleash the Hearts? What, is, what does that well, look like for people who would want to be helpful with that? You can go to the Instagram that I put with my social media and everything, and there's a link for you to check out the Unleash the Hearts Academy. There's a donation page, but I do it really differently. I wanted to create something that made people feel like they could build something together instead of it just being one large sum of money. So there are eight of us that do $10 a month, and every $10, I match it. I'll pick up another job. I'll do whatever it takes. So if we bring in $300 to pay for school supplies, I turn it into 600 because I want to teach people that every penny counts. And it's not just about finding donors. I'll be honest. People have come to me for the wrong reasons before wanting to fund this program. And I've said no. Because I knew that it couldn't be built on integrity if it was touched by something that wasn't of integrity. So mm -hmm. anyway, you can check the link out if y'all want to help. Absolutely. We're always looking for that. But it's all about little tiny pieces and letting people know that it takes seeds for flowers to grow. Yes, and the seeds are often the smallest piece of the whole puzzle, right? But the most important. Mm -hmm. That's your boots, Jesse. Exactly. <laughs> I love that idea. I think sometimes too with, with organizations, when we in, embark in fundraising, the numbers are the most celebrated are the biggest, the ones have the most zeros after it. And it somehow, yep. I think it's wonderful to get that kind of financial support and understand it's the lifeblood for many organizations. Mm -hmm. And to the detriment of psychology for would-be donors, it can perpetuate that whole feeling of, well, you know, my $5 I would do, it just really doesn't matter in the scope of things. But I'd love that you're actually creating a different model, it sounds like, where, yep. oh, no, no, your $5 does matter. And oh, yeah. in fact, the $5 matters so, matter so much that it's immediately impactful in the form of it doubles right away. You put five, it's really 10. Yep. Exactly. Like I always try to explain um, in like video, um, you know, wh where this money goes and how to use it and everything. But I also like to teach people how to stretch it because I just know that from growing up, not always having what I needed. I know how to stretch things. I've been working most of my life and I know what a, the, the cost of a dollar is, so to speak. So like $5, for example, was able to pay for uh, Target had a sale on crowns and colored pencils for these K to six boxes, 50 cents for a package. Mm. So you can imagine we were able to take care of a whole big family with that just for kindergarten to second grade. You know what I mean? It's about how you see things, I think, versus what they really are. Like you have to be like that little kid that played dress up when they were little and wanted to be things. And you got to keep being those things and put the dress up clothes on until one day you are. And I just realized that about two weeks ago. Talk to us about the angel boxes, Jen. 
you were you, you yeah. told me a little bit about that and i think it's un unbelievable please share a little bit about that with everyone it would be my pleasure absolutely well there's this really cool program here in pittsburgh pennsylvania called the allegheny helping hands program and it sounds very official and very fancy it's not it's about 10,000 everyday folks that make sure that if someone doesn't have milk in the fridge for their kids, we make sure that we find a way to do it as a community. So I watch them very carefully because I know that they don't have a lot of financial support. It's a brand new program. They're not nonprofit. They're just everyday people, the thing that I'm trying so hard to fight for. And so um, I go through and I look to go see who needs help and I ask questions. So that's what we did this time. School supplies was the name of the game because people are either going back to school in Pennsylvania or they're doing the new online version. But everybody needs stuff. And thousands of people have lost their jobs from this COVID-19 thing, unfortunately. So we needed to find a way. So I said, okay, give me a poll here. What kind of school supplies do we need? And so about 500 people responded and they said, well, I have children that are on the autistic spectrum and we need sensory friendly grips for pencils and we need this and we need that. And because special education is one of my specialties, I was like, I completely have got this. So then I talked to my rainbow angels across the world because my studio is in like five different time zones. Sometimes I get a little confused. I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> um, maybe you know what I mean from doing this. <laughs> and um, I'm like, hey, we need colored pencils. Hey, we need masks for the local hospitals. And that's how it works. We pack them into boxes. We either, if it's across the country and it's not Pennsylvania, we'll use amazon.com or something like that. But that can get pretty expensive on a budget. So we try really hard to stay local. And my rainbow angels just send things. We put the cardboard boxes on the porch. And between my sessions, I just leave um, a snapshot of whatever the family was looking for. And if we can't find someone to pick it up, like say we have someone who's severely disabled, there's lots of disabled people who can't drive and need help and, and they have children as well, uh, we find a driver and they're a rainbow angel too. So that was kind of long, but that's pretty much how it works. Come together, community cardboard boxes, do what needs done. Sorry, Cole. What is what does community mean to you, Jen? I'm 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 very curious because you seem like you're a community creator. And I feel like sometimes for many of us, it's like we live in a community, but we really don't look at it like that. We we just we live where we live and that's that. And we have a few friends there. And mm. what I'm hearing from you is that you're very conscious about creating community. So if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about what community is and means to you. I have to think about that. There's a lot of different answers I could give you. Well, there was a time in my life where I never really did fit in um, because I was stuck in the special education system. Um, I, I do have a cognitive learning disability, but I had been lost because a lot of kids do, especially if they don't have a lot of parent support. And music changed my life. But I spent pretty much up to my 17th year not really feeling like I belonged anywhere. So, and then I entered the conservatory world and I had the talent, but I didn't have the me, me, me mentality to really go mm -hmm. forward when it came to performance, if that makes any sense. So I was like, well, I can get really upset about the communities around me that aren't really listening to each other and aren't connecting, or I can get upset about the fact that it took a while for me to figure out where I really belonged, or I can build something that everybody belongs and reconsider that concept. So... I had a lot of lifetimes in one lifetime. And what was that belonging that you built it around? 
That's a good question. In the beginning, it was really about letting musicians, like a lot of musicians will come to me because oh, they had a traumatic piano lesson or something. <laughs> uh, maybe they had a teacher who said, practice, or I'll throw a book at you or whatever. Yeah. And so it was about rebuilding confidence in the beginning instead of fear. And then it was about the concept that people of everyday walks of life could make a difference and use music to do it. And now it's about something that's beyond my comprehension at this point. I am just rolling with it. It's mm. one of the reasons I reached out to you. I was like, I know I'm supposed to do other things now. I know I'm supposed to be showing my shiny, but I don't always know what is exactly happening. I just roll with it and I'm a gal of faith, you know, and I hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that so fascinating. I appreciate so much your candor and, and transparency <laughs> with that because I think there's a really valuable insight there and I want to try to digest it and break it down a little bit for everybody in case they missed it I think oftentimes when we hear the word community we consider bricks and boards right the neighborhood the city the town whatever it is we live in and then within that community there's little micro communities if we're if we're thinking that deep but what really community is really built on is it's built on connection and emotion and what I'm hearing you say is that you have you are creating communities built solely built solely around the connection emotional piece that they're not geographically biased where in fact they're just they're they're open and saying that hey if you have it in your heart to do this and you're open to it then you belong and so what ends up happening in those kinds of dynamics right is when we have communities that are, are built first from from emotion and connection I think what's really incredible about that is it breaks down the barriers that are built when we have communities that are built solely off of geography, uh, other, other issues like political affiliation, religious affiliation, uh, economic background, all those types of things. That's not to say that those communities that are within that are good or bad. What it is to say is I think what you're doing is it's speaking to some sort of higher moral good or some sort of higher purpose piece within all of us, yep. which I think all of us are searching for ways that we can express that more, especially now during these times of COVID. And yes. the challenge is, is we're still stuck with some of the old outdated models that the way to express that is in these limited terminologies of community or affiliation. We have our political affiliation, yes. our religious affiliation, our our socioeconomic affiliations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, you, what you're doing here with the work you're doing, you're creating a framework that allows people to really transcend that old way of thinking. It sounds like to me, if that's fair to say. You got it right on the money. Yeah, it's interesting. You've given me a lot to think about today, um, but you're absolutely right. That's pretty much it, yeah. You know, communities are interesting because sometimes communities bar people from things because of finances or who you are or one thing about the performance field and you look at like we, you went through my resume a little bit at the beginning is I got a chance to meet some really extraordinary musicians. I have gotten to do some great things. But the thing that I always wanted to be connected to was the musicians and the professionals and the celebrities that realized, like I said, when we chatted on the phone, you know, you put your pants on one leg at a time. Um, or what a famous opera singer told me once who liked to help people, once a boy from Kansas, always a boy from Kansas. Mm. If we shut the boards down, if we start thinking to ourselves, uh, there is no door that has to be locked and we can just open everything up, I think that it would just make a whole lot of other things better. 
I mean, not getting into politics or anything, but just humanity itself. We need more humanity. That's why I open Sing and Relax, and that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing. Jen, what, when in your bio, reading your bio, you talked about freeing your voice. Yes. What is that? Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's a lot of things. Um, so I'll try to put it in a skinny though. Um, sometimes people will come and they've been through trauma and they've been through a lot of things and I can, I can just tell because I've been around the block too. So sometimes it's in their head. And one of the reasons I went and did my PhD credits and got my certificate at NYU is sometimes it's vocal trauma. So sometimes it actually is something where we need to work with doctors and EMTs. Sometimes people come to me when they've seen doctors and they don't think they're going to get their voices back because the doctors have told them so. But I know that it's a mixture of what's going on here and what's going on pedagogically. And we release it. from. That's where the pedagogy word comes in. Pedagogy is all about the science of the voice, but the vocal cords need to be taken care of so there's enough space in them for the air to go forward and also to make sure they're healthy. So it can be anything from vocal trauma. It can be just fear. And sometimes it's flat out someone comes in who's had a car accident mm. and maybe they've smashed their deviated septums up so over by their nose and they need to just physically get their voice back and their confidence. That's what it means. This is a very broad generalized question. So just give a ballpark sure. figure. But how many people, yep. I, this is and for my own selfish curiosity, how many people do you feel like their voices are locked away or trapped? Everybody. Hmm. Everybody who's ever walked in my studio over the last eight years, yeah, for, but for one reason or another. And sometimes they don't even realize it until they start to sing. Hmm. I know because I used to be one of those people. This is a totally different, another selfish question, but you just said something that inspired the question. Why is it, Jen, that, you know, I, I like probably many people, my main singing is done, done in the car. And I've noticed that with some songs, it sounds like, gosh, what was the, the seagull's name? Uh, Scuttles from the Little Mermaid, that wah, wah, wah kind of thing. But then there's certain songs where I, where I hear myself and, it, and I even to my untrained ear think, wow, that actually sounds good. Like I, I sound like I could actually sing in this. Is it, is it because, and this is where I'm really curious, is it because it's just a tone or a pitch or something that my voice naturally mirrors? Or is it because that that song or those lyrics that I'm trying to replicate are touching on something more meaningful to me and thus to your freeing the voice thing, it's allowing me to open up and express more vocally? Well, I have a theory about it that has been tested a lot. It's not something that's out there yet, but I think that sometimes when the memory is connected with the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain, it associates positivity, which releases tension in the jaw, which actually connects with the memories we have, say, like Little Mermaid came out in the 90s. I was a 90s kid too. So, you know, I'm like, oh, my brain remembers this. I love this. And that's another reason I think sometimes professional artists come in and they'll have great voices, but they'll want to sound like the people that they grew up listening to at all costs. And I'll tell them, I'm like, you can do that, but they're going to be a lot more interested in you professionally if you are true to what's really here. 
But yeah, I think it's nostalgia. I think the back of the brain's like, oh, we like this. We remember this. We used to jam out with this. You know what I mean? So those yeah. are my thoughts on that. Brain's fascinating. It stores information. I watch people unlock things in their brain sometimes. Like I'll play something on the piano. Like I'll tell one more little story. Um, I was telling you a little bit about a young girl who came to my studio eight years ago, my first year. And um, she ended up studying at NYU for vocal opera jazz performance for a while, but she was moderately on the autistic spectrum. She wasn't talking to anybody. And I had to use pitches on the piano to get her to talk to me. And that's how we found out she could sing. And she grew up to be absolutely gorgeous and she's a model and she's wonderful and amazing. But what it came down to at the end of the day was taking music when she was a kid that she loved, that she actually listened to while she was ice skating. Because I asked her mom, I'm like, what used to make her come alive? Because I don't think she's not talking to people because she can't. I think she flat out is on the spectrum, but there's another reason. There was. Everybody annoyed her at school, and she didn't want to talk to them. Poor mom paid me for that for a year before we figured it out. You know, so nostalgia is a cool thing. Sometimes you just got to reconnect, reassociate, and be real. So you never know what might be in there, Jesse. You might really be a good singer, and you didn't even know it. But it's about the heart, the mind, and let her fly. <laughs> That's good to know that if, if this first career choice doesn't work out, I have a backup that I can, I can still make a name for. Well, you got my information. <laughs> yeah. Jane, before I ask my final question, where can people find you online? Oh, you know, lots of people ask me that. Well, you can Google me. I'm, I'm easy to find, I think because of my last name and just because people tend to find me when they're supposed to. So you can go on Google and just type in Jen Vanilla and I should just pop right up with all their social media information. And we also have a great Instagram. And I gave you some other things too. We've got a linked page, um, a Facebook and a website. Yeah. So I think if, if I'm not mistaken, it'll all be listed in there. Yeah, if I'm not everything mistaken, will be listed. everything will be in the show notes, the yep. social posts, yep. all that type of stuff. Gipperonis sounds good. Yeah, I'm not too hard to find. Jen, I, I'm really curious. What what does your version of the world look like with every if everybody were to live with their voice being free? <sighs> well. This is on a personal note, but sometimes I think that it would be a lot like heaven Hmm. before we all really felt like everything had to be a certain way for it to be okay. And like we were talking about little kids seeing people when they're shiny. I know it sounds like some people will tell me in the professional field that I got stars in my eyes and maybe I do, but maybe we need more stars in our eyes. Stars are powerful too. They're prisons of absolute phenomenal efflorescent light that can change everything in a second. So basically what I think is things would just be a whole lot better. I always thought that maybe kindergartners should rule the world with a little bit of assistance because everybody would share the crowns and the scissors and maybe eat the glue, but that's why it's non-toxic, you know. (laughs) That's my honest answer. I love that. Everyone... My goodness, was this a special treat to hear. You're going to want to rewatch and re-listen. Jen took us on a beautiful journey of not just what it means to be a vocal coach, but really, I think, an incredible journey of the human condition. Talking about the idea of the shine and looking for our shine and the rainbows that we all have and we all possess. Gosh, imagine what the world would be like if you chose a framework where every single human being you encountered, even the ones that maybe pissed you off and left you angry, 
you didn't look at them and see the anger and the time that they upset you and the one time they did that or this, but you said, look for the shine. You looked for their uniqueness, their, their innate human traits that make them magical, the rainbows that they have inside of them. Gosh, imagine going into the world today, seeking an opportunity to applaud someone. I love that beautiful story of the 10 year old girl standing on stage and getting choked up, getting a little hesitant, and the entire audience, 300 plus people standing on full attention, full applause for 10 minutes or so. I felt a goosebump on every part of my body, and I did have to hold back tears with that because it's such a beautiful example, I think, of what can be possible for human beings. It was a 37-year-old woman. Mm. What can be possible for human beings when we're willing to just see and acknowledge one another for taking a risk? And if we would all be willing to do that, if we'd all be willing to stretch outside of our world view of what Jen was sharing with the college students, like, guess what? It's not all about you. If we would just remember that's not all about me and that one of the wonderful opportunities afforded to each of us is to celebrate another human being taking a risk, celebrate another human being willing to go after something that's meaningful to them. The idea of freeing your voice, freeing your voice, allowing yourself to be released and help from the prison of whatever it was that happened, whether it be trauma or your own fear and self-doubt and insecurity. The idea that communities can be formed not just with bricks and boards and geographical locations, but off of emotion and meaning. That to extend the opportunity that you don't have to be rich or famous to make a difference. That the opportunity to make a difference exists within the palms of your hands and in your heart and mind. And that even you right now, just the smallest of contributions, $1 can quickly be turned to two, five to 10. And those small contributions can do massive impact for kids like providing crayons for an entire family or several families, especially thinking about how powerful and meaningful that is for so many families who are stuck at home right now, having to acquire school supplies for the first time because they may be doing school at home, shelter in place, whatever that is. Consider this, my friends, as you leave here today and take away from what Jen so generously shared with us. Consider what a standing ovation for your fellow human being would look like. Consider what it would look like to look at them with their shine. Look at them and seek the rainbows. And I invite each of you to go in search of the rainbow today. And if you feel like sharing it with us, shoot me a message, let me know, send Jen a message, let her know what rainbows you saw. I'm sure we both would absolutely love to hear from you. But if this message, if this, if this podcast, if this episode connected with you, resonated with you the way that it did me, give it a shot. I'm going to definitely go and look for some rainbows myself for the rest of today and tomorrow too. And I hope you'll do the same. Jen, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for blessing us with this gift today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to